Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. We are now going to begin the study of the book of Hosea. I'm going to call him Hosea, as he is pronounced in Hebrew, Hevav Shin Ayin. And Hosea, or Hosea, is the first of the um, group of 12 minor prophets that all included make up the book of the Trey Asar, the 12 minor prophets. Each one is a separate book, but they were bunched together in one big book of 12 in order that we don't forget, uh, it, because they're all small books and there's a l less prophecies. So unlike the three big ones, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and, and um, Yechezkel, uh, these 12 are, you know, each have a small separate book. So, um, so they're gathered together in the book of 12. So Hosea is the first. Um, Hosea, a few things about Hosea. We're going to learn about, in the first verse, there will be a, what's known as a dating verse, which gives us a verse to tell us, to give us a, tell us about when he lived so that we should have an idea of where he fits in the history. Um, but we also, his name, Hosea, means to, he he will save or he will redeem or he will um um uh, uh that's what the word hosea means similar to yeshayahu it's a very similar name which means his his salvation or his saving is god hosea is he that will be a, a one who saves so um so i know that that has a lot of uh, to a Christian that has a meaning, but I'm not, I'm not referring to that specifically. I'm referring to the same name that we find, Yehoshua, that God will save him. It's a, it's a name, it's a root that we find in many names. So Hosea is Hosea the prophet, um, and we're going to study about him. There are a lot of parallels between Hosea and Yeshayahu. I'll try to point many of them out as we go through this book. Um, there are many, many very important themes of the book of Hosea uh, that are also parallel to many of the themes that we find in Yeshayahu, such as the idea that uh, God doesn't want rote service, but he wants our hearts. He wants us to be, um, uh, and the ideas of, of, of uh, tzedek mishpat, justice and righteousness. Uh, although his book is a lot less popular than Yeshayahu, there's very profound messages here and i think it's important for us to study all of the works of the treyasar all of the 12 because uh, they seem to get short shrift and they don't deserve short shrift even though they're shorter books they really deserve to be at uh, this in many ways at the same par as the three major prophets they're not minor because they're less important they're just minor because they're shorter and had a little bit less to say um now um the um and we will find, especially closer to the end, many verses that you'll find that are familiar and pretty popular that you just never realized happened to be his words. So let's start with, with verse 1. Devar Adonai Asher The word of God that was said, that was spoken. El Hoshea ben Be'eri to Hoshea, the son of Be'eri. Be made during the days of the following kings was when Hosea said his prophecies and lived and led. 
During those four kings of Judah, Uziah, Yotam, Achaz, Yechizkiah. This should sound very, very familiar to those that studied with us Isaiah, Yeshayahu, because Yeshayahu also, Isaiah also prophesied during the same time period of those four kings. Uziah, Yotam, Achaz, Yechizkiah, Machai, Yehudai, just read from the first verse of Isaiah. Now, one of the things to contrast between the first verse of Ishayahu, Isaiah, and the first verse of Hosea was um, Ishayahu started off, Chazon Yeshayahu ben Amotz. These are the visions of Isaiah, the son of Amotz. Asher Chazo al Yehuda v'Yerushalayim. That he, that he prophesied, uh, or his visions were regarding Judah and Jerusalem. It's important, and then it mentions the four kings of Judah. Now Hosea, that, so Yeshayahu's prophecies were primarily, not exclusively, but primarily directed at the southern kingdom of Judah, while and Yeshayahu lived mostly in Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, which is where that took place. Now during that same time period, during these four kings of Yehuda, Hosea's prophecies were primarily directed at the northern kingdom. And as the verse completes, And during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Yoash, the king of Israel. Now, Yeroboam ben Yoash is to be differentiated, that's sometimes known as Jeroboam II, should be differentiated from Yeroboam ben Nevat, who was Jeroboam I, who was the first king um, at the time when um, the northern kingdom broke away uh, uh, from the southern kingdom during the early civil civil war where the kingdoms split. And so this is Yeravim II. Now, uh, for those that have been studying along with us would remember that Jeroboam II was also the time which during which there was another prophet, which was the prophet Jonah. The book of Jonah was also said during this time period uh, and is also one of the Treasar, one of the 12 minor prophets, which we did study together previously in these podcasts. <laughs> so Hosea, even though it is the first in the order of the 12, it's the second book that we're studying together here in these podcasts, the first one having been Jonah. Now, um, the, um, so, so Hosea was approximately the same time as Yeshayahu, but Hosea was, was prophesizing mostly directing his message towards the northern kingdom. Again, not exclusively, because he did, he did direct some of his message to the southern kingdom of Judah. Just like Isaiah, Yeshayahu also was not exclusive to the southern kingdom, but primarily one was in the south and one was in the north. Um, we know that the... Um, the um, uh, Chazal, the, the, the rabbis of the Talmud, say that this Be'eri, who is listed as the father of Hosea, is the same person that is mentioned in Chronicles as Be'era, who was the, the prince, the Nasi, of the Reuben, Reuben, of Reuven, of the tribe of Reuven, the Reubenite uh, tribe, who was exiled by the Assyrians. So that would make Hosea a member of the tribe of Ruvain, which was a part of the northern kingdom, and would fit well with this that I've just been telling you, that Hosea was primarily, he was a born and raised in the northern kingdom, and therefore prophesied there.
now um um the um the next pasuk uh the next verse is verse two so let's go ahead so now many prophets we have throughout the torah have a time when there was an event which we can call their call to prophecy the famous one of course like moshe moses when he came at the burning bush when god appeared to him for the first time at you know and said and, and called him to prophecy and said you know I, I want to send you on a mission and so on we had that in isaiah as well um now over here the start of the second verse is kind of interesting it says in the beginning of god speaking to hosea god said as follows god said to hosea and i'll complete the pasuk in a minute but this the way it starts it it sounds like there's a conversation going on right and the beginning while god is talking you know he starts talking to him about something during the first time when he's talking to him and during that conversation, he says as follows, which we're going to study momentarily. So what exactly is, so it sounds like God is already talking to him about something. And then he, he adds, uh, he says something in the middle. So while I know that the general thrust of this podcast, Let the Prophet Speak, is to try to understand the verse itself before I go into all the various commentaries. Um, I'm going to divert a little bit from my usual path and bring the Talmud in Pesachim 87a, Pezayin Amad Aleph, and say what the rabbi's tradition was as to exactly what this conversation that has been going on was all about. The reason why the rabbis explained this conversation that way, well, obviously that was the tradition that they were having this conversation, which I'm about to tell you about. But it also somewhat mitigates and helps us understand the shocking uh, statement that God, or the shocking instructions that God is about to give, give, um, give, uh, give Hosea, the prophet, and gives us a context within which to somehow understand it a little bit better. So, first of all, in, if we go to the Gemara, the, the Talmud in Pesachim, it says as follows, the, the word of God which was to Hosea, which is the verse we just read, during the days of those four kings like we just read. And the, the Talmud lists four, four prophets who prophesied during those days. Interestingly, it omits Yonah, um, but it lists another four prophets. It lists the prophet Hosea, it lists the prophet Yeshayahu, which of course we, we mentioned, and also Amos, or Amos in English, or Mich and Micha, or Micah in English. Um, then the Gemara goes on to say, God came to Hosea and started the following conversation, and God said, Hosea, Bonecha Chatu, your sons, your children have sinned. And, uh, God was expecting Hosea to do the job of a prophet, which would be to pray for them. He should have answered God and said, They're your children. He should have said, God, they are your children. They are the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not my children. You should, and, and he should have prayed for mercy and begged. 
But not only did he not say that, the Talmud says, but rather he said to God, the entire world is yours, right? Um, what he said was, God, you have the whole world in, at your fingertips. If you don't like them, the Jews, get rid of them and pick another nation. God was very upset with that because that's not the job of a prophet. So God said to him, what am I going to do? Therefore, I told, I told him the following instructions to teach him a lesson about, about praying for the people. And we're, let's continue this verse. I'm, I'm giving that context because um, you'll understand it in a moment. So how, what does God tell him? Lech, go ahead. God says to Hosea as follows, go ahead. Take for yourself a wife who is a prostitute, a wife who is unfaithful, and have children that are children of a relationship that's questionable. In other words, children that it won't even be clear if they're your children or if they're children of someone else with whom she was unfaithful with. Because the entire nation, the land, the people, they themselves have turned away from God. So just as I, so to speak, married the people, right? There's a relationship which is compared throughout the Torah and Tanakh and the prophets, the relationship between the God and the people as the relationship of a husband and a wife. And the people have turned away from me and they have cheated upon me, God says, and they have left and they've worshipped other gods and worshipped other ideals and ideas. And, and, and all of that bore the fruits of what the people are doing now and so on. So too, I want you to go ahead and marry uh, a woman who's unfaithful. Of course, um, as you, this is a pretty shocking instruction to give to a prophet. You would imagine that a prophet uh, shouldn't be, um, you would want to look for a, a woman who's faithful and have a relationship that's based on trust and so on. This is not the kind of relationship we imagine our prophets having. And indeed, many of the, the uh, commentaries, uh, most famous, the Ebenezerah and the Radak, they all explain this as some kind of a vision or a dream, but not something that actually happened. However, it seems clear from the Talmud, and it seems clear from many other um, commentaries, such as Rashi and, and Malvim and others, that understand the Talmud for exactly what it said, that God's instructions were to Hosea to marry someone, a woman who's unfaithful, in order to teach him a lesson, which we will learn, and the Talmud continues, lesson being that just like you loved your wife, and later on you don't give up on her, and, and, and as the Talmud continues over there, um, 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 you know, just like I, I, you're not going to give up on your wife and you're not going to give up on your children just because they, they turned away and were bad, but rather you'll try to bring them back and you'll try to, if you love them, you will try to be faithful and bring them back. The same thing, God says, I'm not going to throw out my children just because they turned away. I'm going to try to bring them back. And that's the kind of prayer that you should say. Now, um, so many of the, uh, the, the commentaries understand it for exactly what it is. That this is exactly what God told Hosea to do. So what did he do? Uh, he went and he followed God's instructions. Um, I do want to mention that the Evan Ezra mentions uh, something. Even though the Evan Ezra understood this as more of a metaphor or more of a, uh, 
uh, a dream or, 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 or something, but not something that actually happened. But he mentions that he lived in a society where no one was trustworthy. And it was such a promiscuous society that, 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 um, that, that Hosea was reluctant to marry. And God said, no, this is the environment that you live in. You should marry someone anyway. Ba'elach, and he went by Yikach, and he, he married at Gomer Bat Divlayim, a woman by the name of Gomer, the daughter of Divlayim. Batar Vatelid Lobain. And she became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Now, what is this? Um, her name is a very unusual name, Gomer. Um, it literally means he finished. He completed. Bat Divlayim, the daughter of Divlayim. Divela means a uh, figs. So it's just an odd, unusual name of uh, the rabbis translate Gomer, you know, because she's, she was a prostitute. Gomer, people, they, they had relations with her and finished. That was the end. They would walk off and go away because there was no, there was no bond there. That was the end of it. They would just sleep with her and then, and then go on. Gomer. She was, that, that was, uh, 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 as one way of understanding her name, but it, it's, um, it's not a normal name, and its meaning, you know, it sounds a little bit vulgar, but I guess that was the point. Whether that it was a real name or not is a different question. And God said to Hosea, after he had born this son, I know that sounds a lot like Yisrael, but it's a very differently spelled. Yisrael, which is the Hebrew for Israel, is spelt with a sin and a, a resh and an aleph. Yisrael is a zayin resh ayin, which it, it, it literally means he will plant, God will plant. However, Yisrael is the name of a fertile valley, the Jezreel Valley in English, and it's a place where a lot of momentous and important historic events happened in the history of the Northern Kingdom. It was a valley within the Northern Kingdom, or is a valley within the Northern Kingdom, known as the Jezreel Valley, or the Amek Yisrael. And it was within that valley, remember one of the houses of the kings was the house of Ahab, or Ahab, who was a well-known uh, king in the Northern Kingdom who was evil, and uh, who um, was very disloyal to God and worshipped the, the Avodah Zorah, the idol of, known as the Baal. Um, the house of Ahab was killed out by Yehu, uh, who was, or Jehu, uh, J-E-H-U in English, Yehu is yud Hey vav aleph in Hebrew, um, who ended up establishing the house of Yehu. Yehu was the ancestor of Jeroboam II, who was the current king at the time that Hosea is speaking and saying this prophecy. Now, um, Yehu, who killed out the king of Ahav, would have seemed like a good event because Ahab, Ahav was an evil king and it's good that he got rid of him. However, Yehu went on in the evil ways of Ahav. So therefore, God looked at Yehu like, you know, I, I, I helped you destroy Ahav because I wanted you to return the people back to me, back to worshiping God, and instead you went and continued in his own ways. So for that, I am going to destroy you, the house of Yehu, as well. And Jeroboam's son, Zechariah, was, was destroyed, um, and that ended the house of Yehu. 
um, as the kingdom of uh, the northern kingdom had flipped back and forth from king to king until eventually it was destroyed by the Assyrians. Ki od ma'at, God says, because very soon ufokadati et demei Yisrael al Yehu, and I will remember the blood that was spilled in the Jezreel Valley by the house of Yehu, I will remember that and put it upon the house of Yehu and punish them. Vishbati mimachus beis Yisrael, and I will put an end to to the house of Yehu's kingdom in the northern kingdom of Israel. So he was prophesizing about the event that the house of Yehu was going to be destroyed. And it will be at that time, I will break the strength of Israel. Israel here, as opposed to Yehuda, as opposed to the northern kingdom, Israel in the Jezreel Valley, I will destroy the house of Yehu. So this was a prophecy that God wanted to um, demonstrate by having Hosea name his son Israel. This is very similar to what we also found in Yeshayahu, it's another parallel, where God told him to, when he had a son, to name him Maher Shalal Chashbaz in Isaiah Perak chapter 8, when he was, when actually over there Yeshayahu was discussing the destruction of the northern kingdom, uh, one of the few times that Yeshayahu directed his um, his um, his 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 prophecies towards the northern kingdom, he called his son Mahershal. That the destruction is coming quickly. That was his name, the name of the son, and uh, and God instructed him to do that in order to uh, demonstrate the prophecy. The same thing that God is doing that to Shea here and telling him how to name his child to demonstrate a prophecy. Vataharod and his wife got pregnant again, Bat, and this time she had a daughter. By Omar Lohan, God told him, Kiroshima Lo Ruchama, call your daughter Lo Ruchama, meaning she is there is no mercy. Kilo Osif Because I will no longer have any mercy on the house of Israel and the northern kingdom, for I will no longer carry their sin. I've been patient long enough, the end is near. So A. The first one was Yisrael, I will destroy the house of Yehu. The second one is B, not after the house of Yehu and other houses that come after that, I will destroy the entire northern kingdom completely. That would the second prophecy as represented by the name that he asked Hosea to name his daughter. However, God says in the prophecy to Hosea at Beit Yehuda, however, I will have mercy Arachem on the southern kingdom the house of Judah, which we do know that they that Assyrian onslaught, which invaded the north and destroyed the northern kingdom, they also invaded the south, the kingdom of Judah. However, the kingdom of Judah was saved. If we recall, that happened in Isaiah when, when the army of Sancheirev of the Assyrian king surrounded Jerusalem, was under siege, Jerusalem was under siege, and almost fell but a miracle happened in one evening, which happened to be the evening of the first night of Pesach, of Passover, when a miracle happened and the army of Sancherev had some kind of plague and they died and had to retreat. And God says, I will save them by God, by, by, God, by, uh, by the Lord God. Now, so in other words, this, this is, seems to be saying that because Judah was at least to some degree more loyal to me, to God, and we see that this happened during the reign of Chizkiyahu, of Hezekiah, who was loyal to God and did destroy the idols and so on. 
And and if we remember from the from Yeshayahu that when Yeshayahu described the events of that siege of Sancherev, that Chizkiyahu's argument with the army of Sancherev was a very theological argument, and 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 he he told Sancherev that we have uh, um, a faith in God, the one God, the Creator of the heaven and the earth, and so on, and therefore God saved Hezekiah and his kingdom. The, However, I will not save them because of their strength with their bows and their swords and war with horses and chariots. But rather, I will save Judah based on the fact that they are remaining with God. This is a very, very similar message to what we had throughout Isaiah many times over and over again repeatedly that the people should have faith in God rather than in their own strength and their own armies. Um, now, um, and Hosea is, is emphasizing that same idea that the northern kingdom will be destroyed because they're not being loyal to God. The southern kingdom will be saved. We know that eventually even the southern kingdom got destroyed for other reasons, but that's not what this prophecy is discussing right now. But Tigmolet Lo Ruchama, and then eventually Lo Ruchama, the daughter, was weaned. Batar, and she became pregnant again. Batelebain, and she had a third child, this time a son. Vayomer, and God instructed him what to name this son, Kirashimo Lo Ami. Call this son, you are not my nation, Kiatem Lo Ami, because you, presumably, this is also directed at the northern kingdom, are no longer my nation, and I will no longer be for you. This is God saying that the northern kingdom will be destroyed, and there's no promise, uh, you know. Um, of 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 return for the uh, of the northern kingdom as a kingdom now there is a promise of return of the northern kingdom of the to come the, in other places in tanakh and in ishayahu as well to come back as part of a united kingdom ruled by judah but the northern kingdom is gone is lo ami this kingdom will never be my nation further. And that would be Hosea's prophecy towards, again, the northern kingdom. As we've said, this is Hosea's main main um, focus of his prophecies. This concludes Hosea chapter 1. Looking forward to studying Hosea chapter 2 with you together.